Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Barbarian from writer-director Zach Kreger of The Whitest Kids You Know, which, uh, this movie kind of came out of nowhere, and, I mean, I think it caught a lot of people off guard. It caught me off guard, which is why we didn't cover it, like, right away when it first came out. Uh, but we're covering it now because it is one of the most fun movies of this year. Uh, I had a blast with this movie. And now that it's out to watch at home, uh, we got to talk about it. So joining me to talk about this one, uh, first time guest is Jay Horton, a uh, filmmaker and podcaster. And uh, I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while now. So we have a great conversation with him coming up. And uh, before we get to that, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever it is you listen to podcasts. And, of course, you can follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. So, with that said, let's talk about Barbarian. All right. People have been wondering where this episode is. It's taken me a while to finally get to it, but we're going to talk about Barbarian. And joining me today is Jason Horton. Jason, how's it going? It's going really good, man. How are you doing today? I'm great. I've got so many horror movies to talk about, it seems like. You know, it is October. It is uh, Halloween time, spooky movie time. So we're going to squeeze in as many of these as we can. But this might be the best of the bunch, I think. It's probably my favorite of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a wild fun time. And of course, this, you know, when this comes out, it's going to be out on VOD or streaming and uh, we will have missed the initial theatrical run uh, of the movie. Um, but I think people are just going to keep discovering this one. I mean, we'll talk about it more as we start getting into puzzle pieces and all that stuff. But this is one of those word of mouth movies. Um, it's it's, you know, a major success story as far as uh you know, making money is concerned. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun one to talk about. But before we get too deep into Barbarian, uh, it's your first time on the show. Tell my listeners a little about you and what you do. It is my first time on the show. Um, I go by uh, Jay Horton professionally. Um, I'm a filmmaker. I've uh, been directing movies since like 2003. Uh, I've directed maybe 25 and I've produced close to 70. I've uh, been doing a lot of documentaries the last couple of years, and uh, I like to do a lot of horror as well. Yeah, absolutely. And your your new one's Craving, right? Yeah, yeah. I just finished, well, I'm just finishing post-production on Craving. It should be out like early spring 2023. 
Awesome. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, uh, as far as uh, Barbarian is concerned, this movie, I mean, another thing about it, like before we start getting into the puzzle pieces and all that, I feel like it's almost like an elephant in the room. I don't know what you have on your list. Uh, I didn't include it on my list because I kind of feel the comparison isn't 100% accurate, but people kept going into it saying it's this year's Malignant which uh, I'm I'm a huge Malignant fan. I, I think Malignant is just batshit bonkers and so much fun. Um, I I do I I see where they're coming from with the batshit crazy horror angle, but I think that's kind of where it stops. As yeah, no, it's two completely different filmmaking styles, two completely yeah. different uh, just ways of being a movie. It's just complete, yeah, completely <laughs> different. I I do get the like you know, some of the left field, you know, turn, you know, batshit components yeah. to it being similar. And, you know, both of them, even though it was James Wan, Malignant did kind of feel like it came out of nowhere. And mm -hmm. Barbarian really came out of nowhere. So, yeah. like, so I can see that. Yeah. And that is a big component of why I didn't include it on my list. I mean, you know, uh, Malignant being James Wan, being someone who is so known for horror movies to then go and flip a horror movie on its head the way that he did with Malignant. Whereas, you know, this being Zach Kreger, more of a, a comedy guy who's just kind of coming out of nowhere to just make a horror movie because he felt like making a horror movie, basically. Um, it, it like the whole idea kind of comes from a different place. I feel like even if they kind of land in that, you know, crazy zone, but there'll be plenty of crazy zone, I think, uh, <laughs> in our puzzle pieces here. So let's start getting into pieces and we'll talk about everything else about this movie along the way. What, what do you have for your first one? So my first one, and I, I feel a little bit like it's a little bit of a cheat because the director's mentioned it a few times in interviews, but uh, my mm -hmm. first one is Psycho. Okay. Um, and I say that mostly because, you know, it has this first act where it sets up a different protagonist and a different story, and then it takes this like radical left turn towards the end of the first act, you know, both yeah. of them, you know, and, you know, they both uh, dealt with, you know, a female protagonist, you know, coming to an unfamiliar place, you know, in, in Psycho, of course, it's a hotel, but here it's an Airbnb. And, you know, the cat and mouse with her and Anthony Perkins in that first, you know, 30 minutes felt sure. really, I thought it was really apt here. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that switch up is like a perfect example of, of what, what makes this movie special and what makes something like Psycho, you know, it's certainly a big part of what makes that special. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great piece to include here. And by the way, uh, Zach Kreger has made a definitive, I'm going to call them puzzle pieces list. It's the films that inspired uh, Barbarian, but right, right, uh, right. I, I have it bookmarked. I haven't looked at it just because I didn't want to cheat here. But, uh, you know, I'm sure some of what we're going to talk about today is on that list. I'm going to look as soon as we're done recording. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine Psycho is not. And he, uh, yeah. you know, and, and the way it, you know, kind of ties back together at the end, you know, and it has some of the family themes running through it, you know, as the, mm -hmm. the, the villain, you know, for lack of a better word in this, is basically just trying to create family. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, all, I, that's all I really wanted, this fucked up person. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll go with my first piece, which is something we all know I bring up way too much on this on this podcast, but uh, I, I have to do it this time, and I'm going to bring up Sam Raimi. Mm. Uh, I, I could go Evil Dead. I mean, certainly you got you know a little bit of Henrietta with uh, the old lady in the fruit cellar, but uh, I'm going to go more Drag Me to Hell with this one. Um, once, once that shift comes in the middle, we cut to black, and then this movie is just you know, bananas from that point forward. Uh, it just keeps getting crazier and wackier. And, uh, 
you know, it just felt very much like like that same thing of like nobody is getting out of this, even if they live. Like this is just bad all around. Like you're not going anywhere with your life after this. It's just too just traumatizing and horrific and crazy, just balls to the wall crazy. And I mean, that's that's something that I think even with something like Doctor Strange earlier this year. I mean, mm. we we associate crazy with Sam Raimi, and he's such a, an, an influential filmmaker when it comes to anybody working in the horror world, and especially. Especially, I would think for a comedy guy working in the horror world, someone like Zach Kreger, uh, you gotta just love Sam Raimi stuff. Yeah, again, I got spoiled on a couple of his interviews, and uh, he mentioned Sam Raimi as one of his like chief influences. He didn't mention any movies specifically, but he talked a lot about Sam Raimi, and yeah. uh, and also in Drag Me to Hell, you know, you have the Justin Long connection, and yes. I've always liked Justin Long, but isn't he just freaking incredible in horror movies? Like he, yeah. he's good and everything, but it seems like he goes next level in a couple of these horror movies. Like yeah. uh, so some of the emotional beats in this and in Drag Me to Hell were like really, really powerful. Yeah, emotional beats, comedy beats. Like he's very funny in this movie, even though his character is a total oh, piece God. of shit. Like <laughs> he's very, very funny though. And it, it kind of like, it, it puts you on such a, a weird edge where like you kind of love him because he's so funny, but at the same time you're like, God, this person's awful. But yeah, he, he just plays it perfectly. And, uh, it is another connection to drag me to hell for sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that as well. Uh, what do you have for your next piece? Well, um, I have another one, but I'm going to, I'm going to go a couple of down cause you're just mentioning Sam Raimi who also produced, uh, don't breathe, which is one of sure. my puzzle pieces. Uh, they both take place in Detroit, um, mm-hmm. They're both place, place in a suburban house where just beneath the surface, like horrible things are happening. Uh, mm-hmm. They both deal with a, you know, a, uh, antagonist that's basically trying to breed. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> and, and they both had, a, you know, one thing, both both of these movies for me anyway, came, came out of nowhere. Like, I, you know, yeah. I wasn't aware of either directors. I wasn't aware of the movies. I didn't see trailers for either when I saw them and was just incredibly, incredibly slept away with it. And I thought both movies, one thing that they did really well was uh, in ratcheting up their suspense, the way that the director shot their scenes. Like it was just super. Both were super suspenseful. Yeah, absolutely. It was on my list as well. I mean, I think Don't Breathe is like a perfect example of of what's going on here with just, you know, you just know something bad's going to happen in that house, but you have no idea what it is. And like, you could say, oh, I saw a twist coming, blah, blah, blah. You don't know what's going to happen in this. And you certainly no. didn't. And Don't Breathe either. Um, I, I think another connection you can make is that, you know, the kind of like abandoned, rundown area of Detroit. And totally. what, one, one thing I love about this movie, it's like, you know, again, it goes to like kind of the, the fucked up aspect of this movie but um there's kind of like an implication that this is just another in a long line of awful situations that the cops have ignored um when when our main character tess uh, played by georgina campbell finally like escapes and she goes and tries to tell the cops and they're just like totally dismissive of her like oh yeah sure you're just like a junkie or something and like you kind of get the sense that if something this horrible happened, especially in a place like Detroit or something, like, yeah, the cops probably wouldn't give a shit or just wouldn't help, you know? They would just be like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And it's just, these are, like, awful examples of, like, worst possible things that could be happening in an area without, you know, yeah. uh, you know, without without the kind of people that, that the cops kind of 
generally tend to care about. Completely. <laughs> oh man, it's 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 a weird one. But uh, I'll go to my next uh, piece. You know, back to the Airbnb aspect of this, uh, I'm going to go with Superhost from uh, director Brandon Christensen, who uh, is from here in Vegas. It's, you know, it's it's fun, a fun horror film based on the whole concept of Airbnbs and like this whole new economy of renting out your property. And uh, they go in obviously different directions, but I feel like as we continue forward, it's 2022, as we continue, we're going to see more and more stuff that deal with airbnbs with uh you know ubers and all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff like a- anything that like kind of ties it to today and sometimes that kind of thing can date a movie you know mm. but i i feel like we're kind of here to stay i mean we are in like the last grasps of you know <laughs> whatever's happening in this world so uh it's probably here to stay for a while and so i think it'll uh it'll it'll have that lasting appeal uh because people know what it's like to check into an Airbnb at 10 p.m. in the dark and not know what's going on. And maybe there's some problem and you can't get a hold of the hosts. And then shit gets creepy and weird. And you are staying in someone else's house. It's not like a real quote unquote business. And like, so you, you don't have like, you know, a front desk or anything like that. There's just so much inherently creepy to it, but we've all kind of given ourselves over to it. And I think these are both movies that, that uh, play on that fear. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the great things about horror movies is the way it plays into everyday, you know, simple fears. You know, like yeah. what, what happens if my Airbnb is messed up? You know, what happens if my rideshare, my Uber driver is a serial killer? You know, yeah. what, um, you know uh, sp- uh, arachnophobia always springs to mind. Uh, the the, oh, the sure. killer spiders, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just playing on every uh, every little fear that we all totally, have, basically. Totally. I I almost put in the rideshare horror movie with the uh, the kid from uh, Stranger Things, but I honestly hadn't seen it, so I was like, ah, I probably shouldn't mention that. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> but that would definitely fit for sure. So, right. what do you have for your next one? Um, so for my next one, um, I'm gonna go with the Hills Have Eyes, uh, the remake, sure, the 2006. Um, you know, both are dealing again with incest and mutants, um, Mm -hmm. you know, both deal with, uh, you know, kind of a fish out of water family, you know, coming into an unfamiliar area and being, you know, basically hunted, you know, and and if I'm not mistaken, it's been a while since I've seen the Hills Have Eyes, but I think they were trying to breed with them as well. I think so. (laughs) And, and, and both were just like no holds barred in the depiction of the, the violence and horror. You know, that was one thing like it was fun. It was graphic, but it was but it was fun. I thought the hills have eyes. Maybe that went a little further. But yeah, I mean, to what we were just talking about with uh, ride sharing and, and these rentals and stuff. I mean, what what uh, fear is there more than like being out in the middle of nowhere and there's fucking crazy <laughs> inbred mutant people out there that are waiting to kill you. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that that's, again, part of what makes horror movies great and uh, that, that, that fear that everybody has. So yeah, I think that's a good one. I, I'm going to jump right on top of that and sure. talk uh, about another horror movie, great horror movie that also plays with yet another fear. There's just so many different fears kind of mishmashing together into this, but uh, I'm going to go with The Descent. Um, oh. a, a movie that just uses the fear of darkness and caverns and like just being underground and no way out. Um, once we go down those steps into, uh, into this cavern that's underground and that there's cages in there and you can't see around any corners and just that playing with the darkness and really, you know, 
I obviously this podcast we we go all in the spoilers, so we're not like holding back on anything. <laughs> but that that first reveal when that old lady just shows up is that's got to be the last possible thing you could think was around that corner in the dark, you know? And so to just play on that is just so perfect. And uh, The Descent is one of the best horror movies when it comes to uh, playing with that fear of the dark. Oh, man, I, that, Descent is probably one of my all-time favorite movies. Like, I, I love The Descent. We were just talking about well-done suspense. Oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. The Descent, man. And, and I... I have a little bit of a claustrophobia thing. So that's one of those movies that it's, I love it so much, but it's, it's hard for me to rewatch, you know, like when I I get those little tiny, oh man, that stuff freaks me out. But yeah, (laughs) uh, so, such a good movie. And, and again, I, you know, I was familiar with Neil Marshall. It was a little less out of left field, but it was just a totally different kind of horror movie from dog soldiers. Like, so it did kind of feel like it came out of nowhere a little bit as well. Yeah. Did, didn't they make a sequel to The Descent? I never saw it. They did. There's a Descent too, And, uh, you know, this is controversial. I actually kind of like it. It's not as okay. good as The Descent, but I think it's I think it's a fine follow up. You know, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy it. It's got some cool little set pieces. Um, it's it's like a it picks up like directly where the other one leaves off, like directly, okay. which, you know, goes right into it. And, and right. I thought it was OK. It's been a while since I've seen it. I've only seen it once, but I I, I, I dug it. I'm going to have to watch that one of these days. But uh, what do you got for your next one? Um, so for my next one, um, I'm going to go with uh, People Under the Stairs. Nice. Um, again, you know, we're talking about suburban households, you know, and the stuff that's hiding underneath. Um, I do believe they had a breeding element in there as well. Yeah. But um, another uh, theme that Barbarian was pretty strong in and, and uh, People Under the Stairs touched on was gentrification. Sure. You know? So like that was a big, you know, here was a neighborhood, there was this neighborhood that kind of fallen apart and, you know, people were trying to come in and start revitalizing it, change it from, you know, what it's doing now. And I thought that People Under the Stairs was really strong in that aspect as well and a distrust of the police, which you had already mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen it since like high school, but that's been one that's been on my rewatch list because I feel like that is... I mean, that's such a, a major topic right now. We're seeing it in a lot of different movies. And so it feels like it's one of those movies that, you know, probably is going to come up a lot in the coming years on this podcast. Oh, yeah. And it feels like the the house in that, like it goes on forever and there's all the corridors, which, you know, kind of connect with the basement scenes. And, you know, so I, I, it felt a lot like that. And I, there's a character in there similar to the the... A homeless character and barbarian that's the, mm-hmm. like kind of knows what's going on out there yeah know? which might be my one uh kind of criticism of, of barbarian i guess i you know not to be like woke about it but it, you know it's like the the magical uh black character yeah yeah you know? for sure well i mean somebody had to know what's going on or else they were yeah, just yeah. like and, just and i would assume that's something they were aware of and they were playing with the trope as opposed to sure. playing into it so you know but it was just like the surface level i was like oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure i hear that uh i will let's talk about the naked old lady again some more uh, i'll mm. bring up the shining and it too uh <laughs> let's combine them both uh let, let's talk a bunch of old naked creepy ladies um <laughs> this this makeup because I guess it's it's uh, some dude in makeup, which actually I guess you could go back to Evil Dead Two and Ted Raimi, but, but like oh, yeah. yeah, so uh, but it, it's just such a character, like such a ridiculous, insane character to like put in a major release movie 
uh, it, you know, on however many thousand screens for people to watch. I don't think anybody knew what the hell they were getting into when this character shows up. And uh, it's just absolutely horrific. And just the way she's introduced where she just starts bashing that uh, Bill Skarsgård's brains against the wall. I mean, it's just fantastic. And yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is about crazy naked old ladies they make good characters in movies (laughs) they do and the thing about this one too is like really soon after she's introduced you know bashing bill sarsgaard you know it's a few minutes later where like they almost try to endear her you know Mm -hmm. you know the the what does she say over and over mama or baby or you know right right and and, and you get what she's trying to do and then it's like oh my goodness and i also like in another movie I, w- I would say, you know, it was a cheat, like the superhuman strength and stuff, but I sure. really freaky, I, I, I really liked it in this. I mean, it, I don't yeah. think it makes logical sense, but who cares? It's fun. <laughs> I, I know I'm like kind of alone in not liking Dr. Sleep. Uh, I've talked about it on the podcast <gasps> before. I know. I, I just don't, I just don't like it. But one of the things about that movie that makes, it's not that I dislike it it just makes me laugh so much that it loses any kind of uh, effectiveness mm. is how much we see the old lady it's like it's like she just becomes this character who's just like loses any kind of like scariness here because it's supposed to be like a comedy horror movie you know like it's fine right. like it's like just let us scream and have fun with it whereas dr sleep feels so deathly serious that to have that character show up so much it's like it kind of becomes goofy to me. I don't know. And, you know, to be honest, I, I and I like Dr. Sleep quite a bit. I actually mm. don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, she's like in like that, the first little, five that's minutes. How and, it meant to me. <laughs> yeah. She shows up a bunch of times and then okay. the end of the movie, but yeah. Have, <laughs> next time I watch it, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> well, what do you got for your next one? Um, so I'm going to combine uh, my next two. Um, well, no, no, I won't. I'll go, uh, I'm going to say Creep. Uh, the uh, uh, Duplass uh, movie. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw that one. I, I remember uh, hearing that it was really good, though. I, I really liked it. And, you know, uh, you know, it takes a completely different road, but, you know, it takes, you know, basically, a, 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 you know, an everyman, you know, a normal guy and, you know, brings, you know, a female into this situation. And, of course, he turns out to be a serial killer like it was mm. almost the setup for this but then it doesn't go that way right right you know but uh but creep is just and there's you know he's he's gaslighting her all the way through and you know and it felt mm-hmm. at the beginning of this like he was potentially gaslighting her so sure. you know which it turns out probably he wasn't but it, it, you know that's that's the way it, they set up in similar ways yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and it that whole opening sequence that first third is just it's so good you almost want just that movie like give me that whole yeah. movie so i creep is like a good example of that movie i guess if you were to get the full thing where it doesn't go you know completely nutso but uh but yeah i i i want to watch that i i like a lot of their stuff yeah. and yeah. um both yeah. both of them are very good creep one and two and the, yeah and, and the, the second one goes in a, a way you wouldn't expect you know yeah but yeah i, I recommend them and i i they're i am i'm not a huge duplass brothers fans i didn't expect to like those movies but i did Okay. I, I like Mark as an actor, but I never yeah. really cared too much for their mumblecore stuff. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of an acquired taste, I guess. So, mm. <laughs> yeah, you either like that or not. But uh, I'm going to go with 10 Cloverfield Lane for my next mm. puzzle piece. Um, kind of to that same point, let's talk about that beginning again, because, uh, you know, it kind of just gives you this, this uh, vibe of like, you know, you really can't leave 
or you're going to die and you just got to trust me that you really shouldn't leave. Like, like Bill Skarsgård is just so, you know, that they're, they're fucking with you and making you think like that you can't trust him. But at the same time, like, it does seem like it would be a really bad idea to leave that house in the Mm -hmm. middle of the night. There's really no good answer. And that, that's kind of the vibe you get with John Goodman and 10 Cloverfield Lane. It's like, like maybe I shouldn't leave this bunker, but at the same time, this guy's creeping the shit out of me. Like it, it really, there's no good answer. And uh, Bill Skarsgård is so creepy to begin with. I mean, John Goodman, we weren't really expecting that kind of role out of him, but mm-hmm. uh, Skarsgård, that's exactly what you expect out of him. Yeah, no, that but, was uh, brilliant. The casting of him was brilliant here because yeah. I mean, it did all the heavy lifting, you know. Like, yeah. So we were, we had all this suspense built around that character. And yeah. to your point about John Goodman, you know, they like they never really implicitly said one way or the other with Goodman in that movie. And I I feel like it's the same thing here. Like we kind of get the feeling, you know, towards the end that, okay, he was an all right guy, Bill Sarsgaard, but he, he might've been a creep too. You're right. We really don't know. I mean, there's, there's, it really goes both ways. I mean, there's so much to that performance and to the way that the character's written and the way he's playing it, um, that you really just are left without having any idea. All you know is, He's dead now. <laughs> He's very, very dead. So we'll never know. But uh, yeah, yeah, great, great character and performance there. So uh, what do you got for your next one? Um, so my uh, this my my last one and my probably my weakest one actually. Um, I was going <laughs> to say this earlier. Uh, Pacific Heights. Uh, Michael Keaton and uh, oh fuck, I forget who who is a started it. Matthew Modine. Okay. Um, uh, it's, it's about a couple moves into a new place in San Francisco, and the landlord is uh, kind of a psycho, and uh, mm-hmm. you know ends up you know terrorizing them. But yeah. but again, you know, it's the kind of a fish out of water thing. You know, suburban uh, affluent uh, individuals moving into a place or, or staying at a place, and then slowly realizing it's more than it's cracked up to be. Hmm. I I've never actually seen it. I. Uh... It sounds good. Yeah, it's a good. It's it's one of those. It's one of those kind of disposable, like like big budget '90s thrillers. You know, like um, well, Fatal Attraction was a good one, but like it's basically a an apartment version of Fatal Attraction. Okay. You know? right. But but you know, I like you know, it's one of. I think it might be. I'm trying to think. Is it the only villain role Keaton has done? I can't. I can't think of one right now. But uh, I, yeah, he, yeah, he's a complete psychopath in it. And, you know, Michael Keaton is just so magnetic. Like, yeah, if, if nothing else, it's worth it just for his performance. OK, yeah, yeah. I, that's uh, that sounds like something worth watching for sure. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. But man, again, you know, it starts as one thing and becomes something else, you know, which seems yeah. to be a theme running through all of these. Yeah. Oh, I did have one more. OK, well, uh, I will go with um, for my next one. I felt like you could easily talk about some Tarantino here, but, Mm. um, you know, with the kind of, uh, mixture of genres and playing with expectations of everything that, you know, and, uh, especially once we get to like the flashback of the old guy and and stuff like that, but I'm going to go instead with something that felt super Tarantino influenced and that's bad times at the El Royale from a, a few years ago, which felt like like I've seen a whole bunch of Tarantino. I'm going to try to do some of that and mess with the genre of it. And, uh, I didn't think that movie was super effective, but, um, I thought, you know, the secret room with the camera, like the secret rooms of this hotel situation oh, yeah. and different people checking in and following those different people. And then their stories kind of coalesce at the end. And, uh, th- there's, there's a lot of, uh, little bits and pieces there that kind of reminded me of that. 
Yeah, I can see that. And I, I, I kind of feel the same way about you. I, I really wanted to like uh, Bad Times at the Royale. Like, I really yeah. did. It's right up my alley. I like Tarantino a lot. And I like Tarantino knockoff stuff a lot, usually. Exactly. But yeah. I just felt like this one just kind of, it just it just missed the mark. It had all the elements. It had the cast. It, like, the story was cool. It just something rang false about it but yeah right uh when uh barbarian when she first went into the first uh discovered the room with the video camera that was actually mm -hmm. one of my first thoughts was that movie yeah yeah um, and there, there's a lot of like cleverness to both movies as much as bad times didn't quite work for either of us um there, there's a lot of like interesting and cool ideas and like stuff here with barbarian like when she thinks to uh, set up the light reflecting off of a mirror into that darkness, like little cool, clever ideas that I think, again, to bring it back to uh, Craiger, like it just seems like things that a comedian would think of first yeah. and foremost, you know, which is uh, probably probably where some of that kind of stuff comes from. Like, like this will get a rise out of my audience, you know, in, in that kind of way. And so it leads to some interesting, uh, you know, interesting unique ideas for a horror movie like this um but you got one more you said yeah what i did have, I'd have one more so uh candy man and okay. initially i was gonna say the remake you know because it was very very strong on the gentrification theme but mm -hmm. just as i was sitting here thinking about it i was like no the first one would actually be more apt you know because it was a you know a, a woman from the suburbs you know coming in there it, although it was chicago not detroit but similar comes into a place starts unraveling a mystery and becomes embroiled in it, you know, and both, you know, had strong mythos, you know, so it was like, it was a little, a little similar. And uh, the, uh, the, the way the gore was handled, especially in the remake, I think is similar. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that would, uh, that would be a good fit there and, you know, they tie it together with the people under the stairs and yeah. you know, a lot of, a lot of similar things that we could work with between both of those movies. And, uh, yeah, like we were saying earlier, like some of the things that I, I like about this movie is that, um, you know, the setting and, uh, you know, the fact that these people, they can't, they just can't leave because the area sucks. Mm -hmm. Like, the, you know, the area has been left behind. And so it just, it kind of just adds that extra layer. And uh, I think is, is great. Um, I've got one last piece as well. Uh, and we were talking about Justin Long earlier. Let's bring some more Justin Long in and talk about Tusk. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Complete. That's actually a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. To talk about just bananas, crazy horror movies that like, as soon as they get to where you think it can't get any worse, it's going to keep going and keep getting crazier and worse. Um, I, I think that this, again, you know, this doesn't seem like a, uh, a setup we would get from just a straight up horror person. It just seems mm. almost too silly of a premise to begin with. And yes, it is scary and yes, it is fucked up and crazy, but like, I feel like you need that comedy element to be able to pull this off and uh, to, to pull off a story that gets as crazy as it does. And you could certainly see where, you know, Tusk is coming from somebody that's also got the comedy background. So it, it makes total sense that uh, these kinds of movies come from comedy minded people. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, you know, just, ha you know, as a filmmaker myself, you know, when you're looking at b both comedy and horror, they're two of the most like technical genres. You know, because, yeah. like, you know, it's so much is timing, you know, mm -hmm. and like how shots fit together. And, you know, if the if the timing is just a little bit off, it's not funny. If the timing yeah. is just a little bit off, it's not scary. You know, so it's very like, you know, like I over my over the course of my career, you know, I've seen, you know, some lesser filmmakers do some really nice 
traumas. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. you, like the, I'm not saying the timing is not important, but it's not as important when sure. you're, as when you're setting up a scare or you're creating suspense or you're setting up a joke. You know, so yeah. I, I think comedy and horror, there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, uh, similarities. Absolutely. That, that's a really great point. And like, you know, to that timing, I mean, the cut to black after revealing the, the naked old lady smashing the brains in. And then all of a sudden we're just, we're with Justin Long driving on the, on the freeway, singing along to the song. I mean, that is one of the like biggest, like laugh moments of the year, I think in the theater, like my, my theater was dying laughing at that moment. And, uh, yeah. you, you need timing to, to make something like that work or else it's just like, what, 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 what movie are we in now? Did they mess something up? Like, you know, yeah. so yeah, that, that's a, that's a great example of that. I think. And I, I, I wish I could think of, I knew as I was watching Barbarian, you know, when they switched from the first story to the second one, I kept, I was, it's on the tip of my tongue and I still have not been able to think of it. I know there's a movie, you know, similar to Psycho, similar to this, that set up something different and switched gears like that, not from Dust Till Dawn, but like something where it was that much of a change and like introduced mm-hmm. new characters and man, I wish I could remember it. So That's yeah. funny. That's funny that you said that because I actually had written down on my uh, list here, like try to think of something where you saw one person go through something and you know what the next person is going to have to go through. So right. it's like kind of the same thing there. But uh, yeah, I couldn't think of it either. I'm sure somebody is going to tweet at me with what it is, hopefully. So totally. uh, yeah, yeah, I hope we, so. Let me we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's good. Do you have any uh, any closing thoughts? Anything we didn't quite get to while talking puzzle pieces here? No, and well, the one thing I'll say, and it's you know, it's kind of too late if you've just listened to this, but you know, the the thing that made this movie so enjoyable for me was knowing nothing about it. Like, yeah. I, like this was one of the first movies I've seen in many years that I walked into, and I didn't know anything. I didn't see a trailer. I didn't read a review. I had just heard it was good. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, I'll check this out. And was just blown away. We don't get to, to do that so much anymore, it doesn't seem like. No, no, not at all. And yeah, all I, I actually somehow had not seen the trailer either, even though I go to the movies so much, and apparently they were advertising it, but I never saw it. Um, all I had was the malignant comparisons, which everybody was tweeting about. And uh, that kind of set me up for like, this better be good because I love Malignant so much. But uh, like I said, it, it's different, but um, I I loved it and uh, I had a great time with it. And I'm so glad, like you said, that I didn't know much going in. So yeah, hopefully people that are uh, experiencing this now that it's on you know streaming and VOD and all that, hopefully they're seeing it the same way, or at least they just know it's crazy and good and that's kind of all they get. So, cause that is definitely the way to see this movie. But uh, yeah, I think I think that does it for Barbarian. Uh, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Um, yeah, I, well, I just saw Hellraiser. Uh, I liked it. Okay. The remake. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess it's kind of a remake. I I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, right on. Uh, nothing off the beaten path, but uh. yeah, it it does it does Hellraiser. It <laughs> it's a Hellraiser movie. That's basically how yeah. I would describe. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I you know aside from the first you know maybe three it's it's definitely a step up from the middle part of the has as they usually are <laughs> yeah that as long as it as long as it landed there we should yeah. be we should all be very happy with it so i guess it's uh, a low bar to be you know <laughs> revelations or whatever those were <laughs> The one with the yeah. different guy playing Pinhead. I forget which oh, one that was. But yeah. it, like he just looked sad. He was like, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, tell people again where they can find you and everything you're up to. Awesome. Well, you can pretty much find me across social media at the J Horton, T-H-E-J Horton. Um, I have a YouTube channel. I do a lot of stuff on filmmaking and like finding distribution and marketing and stuff like that. And uh, Craving should be out around April 23. Awesome. This is great. And uh, I'm happy to finally get you on the show. I know we've been talking about it for a long, long time. So uh, thank you so much for being here. And hopefully we can get you back sometime. Yeah, it'd be great. Welcome to the Phantom Dude Box. I'm Ty. And I'm Joe. And we're two musicians that dive into the world of music, its myths, conspiracies, and bizarre music history. We discuss things like, did Elvis fake his own death? Is Stevie Wonder really blind? Is Dolly Parton's husband actually real? Find out all that and more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or your favorite streaming service. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Barbarian. Thanks to Jay Horton for joining me on that one. And thank you to all you for listening. If you're enjoying what we do here on Piecing It Together, uh, make sure you're subscribed. We're, of course, on all the major podcast apps and whatever one it is you're listening to it on right now. Make sure you're subscribed. And if it happens to have a five-star button, we'd really appreciate it if you hit that five-star button. Helps get us up in the rankings maybe who knows nobody really knows for sure but it seems like you should do that and it seems like that might help uh you could also listen on good pods where you can comment right on the episode and let me know if there's any puzzle pieces that we missed out on that we should have brought up if you do that i will read them on the next trailer episode so please do that and uh, check out good pods because it's a great way to listen to podcasts and, of course, follow us on social media at PacingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about our Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, as well as Awesome Movie Year, which is another movie podcast I produce, and for my music career, which uh, those of you who have been listening for a while know that I'm in the process of finishing up two new albums, one of which will be out very soon. Uh end of this year i haven't set an exact date yet at the time of this recording but i'm leaning towards new year's eve but uh maybe a little sooner i don't know we'll we'll, we'll find out soon uh but the other one is going to come out later into next year and uh i always close these episodes out with a piece of music i'm gonna play a piece of music from the second one how about that this is a big episode barbarians a movie everybody loved it's a good time to preview something that you're going to get to hear in full next year so I'm not going to reveal the name of the album, although I will say this uh, artist named Chad Martinez from here in Las Vegas did some incredible artwork for this album, uh, the second of the two albums I've been working on right now. And I can't wait for you all to see the artwork, and I can't wait for you to hear the music. Uh, but the theme of the album is going to be a lot darker, weirder, uh, heavier, um, just really dark stuff, like where most of my albums are like 80 maybe 70% dark stuff. And then, you know, I pick it up a little bit, a little more upbeat here and there. Uh, this album's just going straight dark. And so this is a track off that. Seemed like a good time to play it with Barbarian. So uh, this is one of the songs off the next, next album. Hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. <laughs>
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.